tired. So tired. Overtired. You're listening to Overtired. I'm Christina Warren. He's Brett Terpstra. Brett, how are you doing? I am good. How are you? I am good. I am a little tired. So I'm recording this at 6.42 a.m. my time, which is early, but that's okay. I'm actually glad we're doing it at this time because I have like meeting apocalypse today. So I have a brief break from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. But other than that, I'm basically booked from the time we do this podcast until 5 p.m. Yeah, I have meetings basically from I'll I'll have a half an hour after we end this podcast unless we go over and then I'm I have a block of about it's only about two and a half hours of meetings. But yeah, no. So I'm just going to I can't read what they're for, although it's cool stuff. So I have my therapist at 8 a.m. Then I have a meeting from 9.05 to 9.30. Then I have an hour and a half break. Then I have 11 to 11.40, then 11.45 to 12.20, then 12.30 to 1.10 then 2 to 2.30, then 3.05 to 3.45, then 4 o'clock to 4.40. Who schedules a meeting from 3.05 to 3.45? They're doing this thing now, and it's actually a pretty good idea. I'm sure that you will see people probably attempt this now that you're in corporate life too, but there's apparently was some research done that if you start meetings five minutes later, then that's better for people or something. I don't know, dude. I don't, I'm not the management <laughs> consultant person. I don't get paid the money to tell the people how to do this stuff. I don't care. But apparently, because you always wait five minutes for people to get on the meetings anyway, starting them at 3.05, starting them at the five-minute mark like gives people a break between meetings. I don't know. I'm not even – I don't know. But anyway, that's my meetings. I also just got back from Orange County because I was with my friend Juliet for five days, which was awesome. I got home at 10.30 last night. Anyway. So I want to come back to the scheduling conversation in a minute, because I have a cool app to tell you about. But first, I want to tell you that I had a physical this week. Uh-huh. And I'm not dying. Oh like, yeah. I was super nervous going into it, because my blood pressure has long been an issue, and it has been, it has been mentioned that if I don't fix my blood pressure, they'll take away my stimulant medication. And we know what happens when that happens. So I was very fearful. I went in, my blood pressure was like 120 over 84, which is fine. I don't know anything about blood pressure. I don't either, but, except mine is low. But they had no problem with it. It didn't even come up and everything. I'm not, I'm a little overweight. But other than that, I'm seeing a nutritionist next week voluntarily, not because I'm diabetic or anything yet. But yeah, I'm feeling a great sense of relief after passing a physical. Nice. I'm very happy for you. That's awesome. I'm glad that you're not dying. Um, a little overweight you can deal with. If they're happy with the blood pressure, that's good. Because you don't want to, like like you said, you don't want to get rid of those. Stims. Stims. Yeah. No, I really don't. I, she says as she's like yawning waiting for her stimulants to kick in me. They always, okay. So they've never like threatened to take them away, but there've occasionally been like rando ass doctors who I feel like just graduated from college who are like, your heart rate's a little fast. And I'm like, yeah, they're like, is, is you should look at that. I'm like, yeah, I've been on stimulants for 17 years. Yeah. Yeah. Da, 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 da. I'm like, is, is it too fast? Well, no. And the one time it was too fast, 
And by that, it was resting. It was like 150 or 160. Jesus Christ. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. I went in for a heart thing and I wore a heart monitor for a few weeks and they monitored it. Yeah, that was, but that had nothing to do with the stimulants. I wasn't even taking the stimulants when that happened specifically because I was like, I hadn't even taken them that morning and it was like that much. And I was afraid I was going to have a heart attack at that point because my resting heart rate was that. So... That had nothing to do with the stimulants. I did also have one time where it was resting that was like 140 or 145, and I was taking stimulants. That was bad, too. That was more consistent, and I like was hard to walk, walk upstairs. And it turned out I was in an issue. I, I was having like an instance of thyroid storm. It was a bizarre, like, one-off type of thing. Anyway. I got that. Like, my, I don't think my heart rate has ever been that high. That sounds crazy high to me. Oh, no, it's, it is crazy high. I mean, that one, the the time when I couldn't, like, when I was winded walking upstairs and I was like, why is this happening? This was about 15 years ago. And it was at my gynecologist who figured it out, which pissed me off because, <laughs> so hear me out. So she was great that she figured that out because she was like, something's not right. She was like, your heart rate is really high and I'm concerned. And she was in the exact same office as my endocrinologist who I had just seen and who they hadn't really been taking me seriously that something was wrong with like my endocrine system. And I went in and they were being shitty when we, cause it, it was like four o'clock in the afternoon and we just walked into their office. We're like, Hey, I just had like a gyno thing. And she said that I need to come see you because my heart rate is like ridiculous and they were like dismissive of it. And then they did the test and then it was weird. You could see them freaking out. I was very exposed. I was like in the middle of the office and they were just like ripping my shirt off and like attaching all these nodes to my skin to test my heart rate and to give me like an EKG or whatever. That would be and terrifying. I'm terrified it was for you. Yeah, I was. And, and I was like 23 years old, 22 years old. It was not fun. But yeah, the, when it happened two years ago, when it was that it was a limited thing. And I wasn't even stressing, but I got out of the shower and my Apple watch was the thing that notified me that my heart rate was excessively yeah. high. Yeah, that's handy. So it is handy. So you're not dying. You just need to lose a little weight. You have good health insurance now. Yeah. Like you had good health insurance before, but now you have like I corporate have, health insurance. I have, I have rich people, good health insurance instead of poor exactly. people, good health insurance. It's right. not as good. Like this HSA thing's going to kill me. The first couple months of filling my meds, it's going to cost me over a thousand bucks a month for the meds. Yeah, um, but then you're going to, but yeah, but then you fit, fit your deductible and you're good for the rest of the year. Yeah. And I'll pay all of that out of the HSA account. So okay. it's all fine. Except I think we talked about this last week because I have $6,000 in like a flex spending account. But I don't, yes. I didn't ever get a card for that account. So I don't have access to that money and I'm still waiting. Still, oh, it, it's all going to be fine. Anyway, it's all going to be fine. I will tell you this unless you're going to spend that $6,000, do not get a flex spending account when you redo your stuff in November because I think that they made an exception for this year for some of the stuff, but usually it is a use it or lose it thing. Oh, no, this specifically carries over in full. Okay, okay. But there are, for FSAs, there are limitations on what you can use stuff for. So be careful with that. Like medications and things like that are fine, like contact lenses and dentistry. whatever. The reason dentistry. that I put six ah. grand into it is because 
so I'm getting four teeth pulled out and we're act we're taking next week off and then again in July we'll be taking a week off because I'm having a large number of teeth removed from my mouth and the plan when I was on poor people insurance was to get fitted for partials, which are false teeth, yeah. which like I was not emotionally prepared for. But now that I have dental coverage with major dental and a $6,000 spending account, I am hoping to get implants instead, which will be for me so much more emotionally easy to handle. Yeah, no, implants are going to be so much better than whatever Partial. the partials, which I'm guessing... Is, is that like a thing that you would wear? Like you would put it underneath like your well, it, like retainer thing? It like clips in or around your that's what gum I, line. That's what, I, that's what I meant. Okay. That, that's, what I was, that's what I was trying to describe, but I, I obviously didn't understand it correctly. So yeah, so that would be way better. So yeah, so with the implant, which is the, yeah, which is the rich people version of the same thing, but looks <laughs> better and will make you feel significantly better as you should. Yeah. I just, I have all these memories of my grandparents taking their teeth out at night. And yep. like putting him in like the fizzy water. Oh, yeah, that, me too. Me too. I'm not ready for that. No, I agree. I agree. No, especially since now you don't have to, which is there are like a lot of pluses to being on your own in indie and paying for your own like premiums and all that. And then there's a lot of pluses of selling out. Yeah, I'm and you shouldn't because yeah. <laughs> oh, and man, my job is going great. Like I'm busy now. Like for the Good. first couple of weeks, I felt, oh, this is maybe too easy. But now I'm busy. I got lots of stuff on my plate, but it's all stuff that's exciting. Everything from Jupyter Notebooks to setting up Jekyll and GitHub repos and building style guides. And this is fun stuff. I'm having a blast. Good times. I'm very happy. I, I wanted to ask for an update. Have you gotten to Jupyter Notebooks yet? I spent yesterday trying to... The, they have this platform called Terraform for like scripting installs. I, yes. No, I was going to say you, you would like Ansible and Terraform a lot. It, it, Terraform, uh, for the listeners, is its own language kind of syntax for being able to script various like DevOps sorts of things for installing applications, setting things up. The idea being instead of having to learn like every single command maybe that you would use for whatever platform you're on, you can use Terraform scripts that has its kind of own language. HashiCorp is the one who makes it and they actually just hit version 1.0, which the naming is more for going forward than like it's hit some big milestones. So if you're on like dot one five or dot one five two, like it's fine. It's basically the same thing, but they just hit 1.0. So congrats to them. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go on. No, that's okay. I spent almost two hours getting all of the environment variables and everything figured out so I could finally run the Terraform script. And yeah. when it finally ran, it told me that it has no it can't compile on an arm chip uh, so now i'm redoing the whole process in a cloud instance yes and it's going to be fine i have my own container i'll run the whole thing there but anyway i have not gotten to the actual jupiter notebook part yet okay you'll get there one thing i'm also going to give you as a tip and the arm thing would still be an issue because they would need to update those scripts and i'm sure that some people have done it but for whatever you're using it's not there yet visual studio code has a feature where you can, and you can use them on any service. Like it's obviously optimized for Azure, but you don't have to use Azure. You can even use local containers or, or your own local server or whatever. But it has the ability for you to basically 
do local instances like on your M1 Mac where you could be accessing a dev container someplace else. So it would be like really good. JetBrains, I believe, is working on a similar feature. They're not quite there yet, but they are working on a similar feature. So if that's what you're you are using or people out there are using, you can for Things like Sublime Text, this is where Sublime Text, unfortunately, and congrats to them on their latest 4.0 or whatever, this is where they're going to fall behind. People like Nova too, unfortunately, if they don't have these sorts of tooling things where you can connect remotely, have a remote extension where you can connect to a container living someplace else and then natively access all of your tooling and extensions locally, but you're doing it on a box that's in the cloud or on a remote server or on another computer in your house. I think that those things are going to fall behind. But anyway, it's, it's pretty cool. We're, we're also going to get back to complaining about Sublime Text in a little bit. Yes, good. Uh, Classic retired content. So here's the scheduling thing I wanted to tell you about work-related. So with the new Exchange server that I have to use for calendaring, I can no longer use Fantastical, which has long been my calendar choice on my Mac and my iPhone. Fantastical is a great app. I'm sorry to lose it, but I just, I can't add my work calendar to it. They don't approve it as a platform. Okay, real quick question for you. We'll take this offline, but do you use Office 365 as your, do you use Exchange as your calendar system? Uh, It's Office 365 is the URL. Yes. Uh, and But then you get a notice from Fantastical saying that the admin has to approve it. Yes, exactly. Okay. All right. We're going to take this offline. It's possible that this won't work, but I'm going to give you an endpoint to try rather than the one that's built into Fantastical. If you use the version one endpoint, it's possible that you might be able to get it to work because I was able to, I worked with <laughs> Michael and Keith and some of the other people at Fantastical for months and was able to find a workaround for my calendar. So awesome. I will send All you right. that in point. No promises, because I don't know how Oracle system works. And it's possible that the permissions that you have set wouldn't even work on the V1 API. But I'll give you something to try just to see if you can. Cool. But, and, and then you can fix my VPN. But in the meantime... But, but, but in the meantime, uh, tell me about this other calendaring app, because I would love to know about this. So the thing that... Aside from all the natural language event creation in Fantastical, which is like its best feature, I really liked having a a calendar in my menu bar that I could just drop down, see my agenda, see a quick view of the month. And and I couldn't find a good way to do that that just used calendar, which is easy to set up with the Exchange account or the Office 365. Then I found this app called Dato or Dato, it's D A T O. I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go with Dato. Yeah, um, I was gonna say Dato is how I would say it, but I could see either way. Yeah, and it puts it gives you the little uh, calendar icon with the current day in your menu bar. You drop it down. It has all of your meetings for the next two days, for today and tomorrow. It has like color coding for which calendar it's on. It's got the mini view of the month with all with up to three dots per day, which is useless when you have 20 meetings a day. But And you can hover over any meeting in the list and with one click, join a Zoom call. And it can put maybe 300 pixel wide text description of the next upcoming meeting in your menu bar. And you can just click that to join like a Zoom call. So it'll say sync up with your boss and in 25 minutes. And then when it gets down to one minute, you just click it and it starts the Zoom call. It's Perfect for filling the gap that Fantastical left for me. 
That's awesome. Yeah, because Fantastical has that same feature where it can it'll yes. recognize like Google Meet or, or Zoom or, or Teams meetings in your menu board. That's awesome. And so this one and it works with your O365 account. Well, anything that I can set up through calendar. Got it. Which, okay. And it doesn't have its like basically you set up all your accounts through calendar and it just mirrors them. Okay. And and I'm looking at this now. So this is the Mac app 699. All right. I'm going to try this out and see, because I might pass this off to my coworkers, because I have some coworkers who would have a hard time getting the Fantastical workaround to work because, well, and honestly, it's partially, some of it is partially on their stuff. So this is from Sindre Sorhas, who, oh yeah, I, he, I, I was going to say his name sounded familiar. So he did the refined GitHub like browser extension and he made an app called Lugo, which is similar to amphetamine to keep your Mac awake. So I knew I knew I recognized oh, his name. Lungo, wasn't it Lungo? Lungo, yeah, yeah. Lungo, yeah. Yeah, so that's that, that's him. But he also was the leader of like refined GitHub, which uh, the GitHub team actually adopted some of his features officially into cool. GitHub. So nice. Right. Free tip. The other thing that I loved about Fantastical was having a hotkey to pop up my calendar. Dato doesn't have that, but... If you use what Bartender version four has a new feature where you can assign hotkeys that will either left or right click any menu item in your menu bar, even if they're not shown in the current menu bar, which means you can basically have a hotkey that left clicks your calendar and pops open the screen for you. Brilliant. Yeah. I'm adding Bartender to our show notes because everyone should use Bartender. Everybody should use it. And it's also, it's on setup. So. Yes. Yes, Dato is not on setup. We should talk to him about that. We should, yeah, because I believe that Lungo is. Yeah, there's at least one of those caffeination apps on setup. Yeah, I can't remember I'm, which one I'm using. I'm opening it now, which is great radio for all of us. And, and it just installed the newest version. And it's taking a second. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that one is on setup. But if not, $7 for uh, for this. I'm, I'm going to buy it and try it out and see how it works because I might be able to give it to some of my colleagues. Yeah, Lungo is on setup. So hopefully he will consider putting a dado on it too. You should talk. You should talk to him about it. I don't know him. I just like I don't stuff. either, but we'll we're about to meet. There's this interesting like line and I think it's true for both of us when we're a little bit tired, our response times are pretty shitty and then we forget a lot of words. But then we get towards that overtired point. Yes. And like suddenly we we have like less space between our sentences than a listener would appreciate. So you're on that like just tired edge and we either we want to get you either to hopped up on speed or get you it's overtired. It's about to click in. No, I was <laughs> cool. going to say it's a, it's about to kick in cuz I'm definitely at that point right now where I'm like, "Oh yeah, okay. I feel this." So we're yep. about to be, I'm about to not drop my words. You know, what's awesome though is we've talked about Descript before, but with Have. Descript, I can just pop in, like I'll run these audio files through a phonic multi-track and then pop them right into Descript, hit remove word gaps, and it'll find every pause greater than X number of seconds and just pull it out. It's like, nice. it's one one click. I love it so much. And when I do interviews on Systematic, if someone needs an edit, if they're like, hey, wait, can I do that again? I just say the words edit here. And then when Descript loads up the transcript, I just search the text for the words edit here and then select the text that shouldn't be in the final recording, hit delete, and my file's edited. It is the greatest podcasting tool 
I could possibly name. That's awesome. I'm going to add that to our show notes too. I was going to say you should, because that's like, uh, that's one hell of a endorsement to be honest. And there I go again. No, but that is actually one hell of an endorsement for you to say it's the greatest podcasting tool you could ever think of. So well done. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to skip down because I don't know what thirst traps are and, and I want you to tell me what a thirst trap is. Okay. So a thirst trap is when you're a woman and you take like a hot photo of yourself and you put it on Instagram. And part of it is because you feel like you look hot and you want to show it off. But another part of it is because you definitely are asking for people to comment. Cool. And and I noticed you, I believe, posted a swimsuit picture recently. I did. I posted uh, and I was a little, I was unsure. I posted some on Instagram stories sometimes. I've done that before, but I've never really posted one on Maine. And because I don't know why, actually, this is an interesting thing to have a conversation about. So I spent, okay, we didn't have Instagram and Facebook and things like that in my early 20s. But then we started to, but I started working and became more of a public figure. So not public, but like in the public eye and whatnot. And I felt like it was one of those things where I was like, all right, it's inappropriate for me to act like everyone else my age and post photos of myself on bathing suits because I have all these strangers who follow me on the internet and it's related to my job and whatnot. And I still struggle with that a little bit because I'm like, I'd like to share my life and to be able to do updates like anybody else my age or even younger, even older or whatever. But I feel like I can't. And I just finally, I was like, fuck it. And I was on the beach on a Sunday and I was like, fuck it. I look good. And I I posted a a thirst. How'd it go? Pretty well. Um, Less creepy DMs than I was expecting. There were some. And that I, 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 had, I had to block a few people, which uh-huh. is fine. But that's always going to happen. But yeah, it was interesting. I did find out something horrifying. What's that? I don't even want to mention this because now people are going to look. It's disgusting. I had nothing to do with this. I want to be very clear on this. So apparently there is a wiki that people have compiled celebrities' feet. Yeah. Okay. Apparently some podcast was mentioning this and a friend of mine was making fun of me and he was like, oh, just wait until because because I posted some photo of something and you see my feet or whatever. And he was like, oh, yeah, we just wait until that'll be on some sort of foot fetish website. And I DM'd him. I was like, yeah, that's never going to happen. I'm never putting my feet on a foot fetish website. And then he DM'd me and he was like, I was joking with you, but I checked. And yeah, your photos are on there. Yeah, I don't think people put their own feet on those websites. No, I, they, I didn't understand what he was saying. And I, so yeah, because someone has taken the time to go through my Instagram posts over the years. There was even one where I was like on an airplane and I wasn't even taking a photo of anything, but you could see my toe in the shot. Yeah. Anyway, I was pretty creeped out. Is foot fetish like purely a guy thing? I've never heard of anyone having a fetish for men's feet. I'm sure that there are some people who do. I don't think it's as common. I got to I have great feet. And if anyone wants photos of my feet for whatever purpose, I'm happy to share. I don't feel like that's too weird for like my own uh, no, personality. Totally. I'm okay, okay actually, with it. I take Just that, actually, I take that back. I know some dude who has sold photos of his feet online. <laughs> now, I will say it was probably to other men. So I'm not sure like how that breakdown goes and look i don't want to kink shame i'm sure there are women who there are some women who get off on it too i'm not trying to kink shame what i'm saying is 
I'm not super into the idea that someone has added me to this. Also, this is fine. I have two and a half out of five stars. I have okay feet. That's actually probably, if we're being honest, more like kind than maybe it should be because <laughs> I don't have great feet. I know I don't. My toes overlap in a weird way. Like my middle toe overlaps over my, my first and my, my, my second and my fourth toe. So it's like I'm, I can give the finger with my feet and they're not that attractive. I, I can be honest about that. I don't care. I don't get pedicures. They're not like all calloused or gross or whatever, but they're not great. I don't know. It was weird to find this. Like some, there was one where I took a photo of some sort of weird burn I had. I didn't even post this one. I don't even think I had it on Instagram. I think that I, I don't even know where it came from, to be completely honest with you. But I know the photo because I was like, I'm positive I didn't post this on Instagram. I might have posted it on Twitter or something and asked for some feedback on something because I had some major rash or some major like thing. And that was on there. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm horrified if I'm being completely honest with you. So anyway, so with the, the net positive result from your last thirst trap, are you going to continue doing this? I don't know. Maybe because I know this weird thing, a, a common refrain on this show has been my utter refusal to age and like me dealing with not wanting to age and whatnot. And there's a part of me that's pissed off that it's, I've taken, my body is pretty banging right now. And I've taken like my hottest years and I don't have anything to show for it. <laughs> so maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Side note. So <clears throat> my girlfriend, Elle, she works at Yarnology, which we've discussed previously. And it's like a fiber arts knitting store. And yeah. I, I guess that's obvious from the name, but she is running their Instagram. And in she's a very detail oriented person who likes to fully understand things she gets into. So I have learned a lot about Instagram, how Instagram works, how the algorithms work, mm -hmm. how to like time your posts for maximum interaction. And nice. like more than I ever wanted to actually know about Instagram, but it has been fascinating to watch her. Like she's not a social media person per se, but you give her the job of right. of of running social media and she's going to She's going to figure it out. She's going to tackle it. She, I love that. She's going to figure it out. She's going to be like, yeah, I might not be somebody who this is my natural kind of thing that I'm doing, but you've given me a task. You've given me a challenge. Not only am I going to do it, I'm going to kill it, which is awesome. Yeah. So I we have two sponsors today and neither of them are actually, oh, I can do a segue here. I can do this. Nice. Speaking of looking good. Awesome. Proper nutrition is a vital part of your health, both for your thirst trap appearance and just for your everyday feeling good. And there's no better way to fill nutrient gaps in your diet than with Ritual Essential Protein. Protein powders can feel intimidating with all of the no pain, no gain stuff associated with them. But the truth is, deep down, as in like cellular level deep, we all need protein and it's about more than just muscles. So Ritual's team of scientists reimagine protein from the ground up and from the inside out, from how it's made to who it's for. The result is a delicious plant-based protein offered in three premium formulations for distinct life stages and unique ne nutrient needs, unique nutrient needs, all made with the same high standards approach and commitment to traceability that Ritual is known for. Whether you're doing reps or just more into dog walks, Ritual is introducing essential protein here to shake things up. 
as I've mentioned before, that's a, it's a ridiculous pun, but you do, you shake it up. Now that I'm a corporate guy with a super busy meeting schedule, as previously discussed, taking the time to cook lunch has been rough. I've been using Ritual as a meal replacement, getting the protein so I don't feel hungry and the nutrition that would otherwise take some careful meal planning. And, uh, and having used some meal replacements in the past, I can tell you that essential protein actually tastes good. Like not just in comparison to others, like it's actually, I, I look forward to drinking it. Did you get a chance to try it, Christina? I did. I did. And right before I left, I'm kind of, I was home for 24 hours and then I left and I was able to try it. And I'm not into those things, but it was shockingly like... I was able to drink it. <laughs> I find it delicious and Christina finds it palatable. So there. No, I actually found it. I found it like drinkable, but that's actually a good thing. You have to understand. Like I never, like I tried, uh, what was the. Soylent. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're, usually when I try these sorts of things, I don't keep up with them because I'm like, I, I can't even choke this down, but no, it was a quite tasty. I wouldn't say like my favorite taste in the world, well, it's but not, it's not a milkshake. Palatable. No, it's not, but it's palatable. And for me, picky eater, you have to understand palate of a five-year-old. That's actually a very high endorsement. So you want to know how they did it? How did they do it? They did it with no added sugar or sugar alcohols. And the trick is handcrafted vanilla flavor made from direct from farmer vanilla bean extract, sustainably harvested in Madagascar. That's the secret ingredient. And you can you can see this because of the visible supply chain and you always know what's in their formulas, where the ingredients come from and why they're included. Essential protein comes in clean plant-based formulas specifically created to support nutrient needs of different life stages like 18 plus pregnancy and postpartum and 50 plus 20 grams of pea protein plus a complete amino acid profile made with essential choline to help fill common dietary gaps. Like all Ritual products, essential, is, essential Protein is soy-free, gluten-free, and formulated with non-GMO ingredients. So why not shake up your Ritual? Try making something to, to, to make... So, oh my God. To make trying something new less scary, Ritual offers a money-back guarantee if you're not 100% in love. Plus, our listeners get 10% off during their first three months. Just visit ritual.com slash overtired to add Essential Protein today. That's ritual.com slash overtired. Fantastic. Fan-fucking-tastic. Our other sponsor today is Text Expander, and it's a short read, but we'll save it because Text Expander's... We should have... that. See, I could have segued into that while we were talking about apps. I was going to say you could have segued into that. Also, you could talk about that with... Yeah, there might have been another opportunity. We'll find one, though, because we're actually... I want to talk to you about cable management because I see on here that you, I see something that you broke something. Uh -huh. And I want to know about this because we were talking... We, were, we wanted to get into table ma to cable management last week, but we weren't able to. So tell me about this cable management uh, crisis okay. or issues you're having. So I, I posted a picture uh, a couple weeks ago of my kitten having made a nest out of the pile of cables behind my desk. And she would just curl up in there, like actually like burrow into the pile. And I realized after that, that I really needed to get my cables under control. So I bought a bunch of like cable clips and a better, an uninterruptible un un power supply for my office and and decided to take everything apart and put it back together. And I watched a bunch of YouTube videos on like cable-free desks and how to make everything pretty. And 
I feel like most of the people making those videos do not have as many things plugged in as I do. They do not. They do not because I've had the same problem and my office is a total disaster right now and that's going to be an ongoing summer project. But I, when I've like at my desk at work, like at the office, when I could actually go into one, I often had that thing because I would try to make my cables look really nice and then I'm like, I have so many things plugged in. Yeah. So go on. So talk to me about this. So uh, at this point, I have everything has the right length of cable. I bought some longer cables. I bought some shorter cables. And where possible, I I ran cables under the table with clips and just had them come up where they needed to connect to things. There's still like a lot of visible cables, but you can see each one individually and they're easy to plug in and unplug. And I'm satisfied. It's not glorious. I'm not posting pictures. I'm not posting cable thirst traps, but I'm satisfied. However, in the process, once I get everything plugged back in, both of my stream decks just stopped working. Like immediately after plugging everything back in, they both stopped working. I have a mini and a regular, and the mini won't even boot. It just loads up the wallpaper and then flashes. And the regular one loads up, gets the right buttons, and they work for about 45 seconds before they just, (sighs) and I miss them. That's frustrating. And what does support say? Oh my God. So support, they asked me to unplug it, plug it into different ports, try all these things. And then they have this, this package that takes all the debug info and sends it straight to Elgato for you. And I did all of this and I went through a ridiculous number of steps and they came back this week and they're like, we analyzed the the reports and here's what we need you to do. And they gave me the exact same list of things to do and ask me questions that I had clearly in the, you can see my responses in the chain of this like support ticket. You can see that I've already answered like what brand USB port is it plugged into and what type of computer and what version of the Stream Deck software, all of this. And basically, I, I snoozed that email because I, I, I'm tempted to just give up on support at this point and find another alternative. But I feel like, at least with the mini, it clearly doesn't boot. I've plugged it into three different machines. Like it never gets to buttons and it doesn't show up in the Stream Deck software. And that to me sounds like a replacement. I would agree with that. And I think that I'm bothered that they're just like telling you, turn it off, turn it on again, plug it into other things. Yeah. So, yeah, I would. Yeah. And if you can't even get it to come on, then that does seem like that's going to be something that they would need to replace. Yes, I agree. We'll see what happens. I'm not going to just buy more of them. No, I would like some satisfaction from Elgato customer service. Yeah, no, I agree. And not for nothing, Elgato, I've spent like hundreds and hundreds of dollars on their stuff over the last year because they make all the good streaming stuff. So I bought a Stream Deck XL. I have the Camlink 4K. I have the HD, like the S60 Plus or whatever it is, one of their streaming capture devices or whatever. I have a green screen. I have three key lights. I have a a monopod. Like I have all kinds of stuff from them. And I really hope they come through because if they don't, then that is going to be really disappointing because I would like to spend more money with them because they're not the cheapest at all. They charge a premium, the HD60 S Plus, that's the one I have. And they're, yeah, it's interesting because they were a Mac company and they've 
long ago foregone that they sold to Elgato or sold to Corsair rather. But like we remember them back in the ITV days, Mm -hmm. right? Like I used to know those guys because they are based in Europe and they're really good people. And I know that they still have good people, but it's obviously it's a different it's a different sort of thing. And I get it. But it's uh, it's one of those things where I really hope they come through because it's disappointing if they didn't, if they don't. Do you remember the H two sixty four encoder? Like it was like a, a dongle you plugged into it was a USB dongle. port, and it would yep. offload H two sixty four encoding. Back yep. when computers were slow enough to need offloading of H two sixty four encoding. No, that was where they made their whole like thing was that they so they had they would buy these Halpouge and other like OEM kind of rebadge they would rebadge these other sort of encoder things or over the air TV things or whatever. But then they had Mac software and it would make it, they had a really nice interface and they were early into the Twitch game. So when Twitch, so when Justin TV pivoted from being live streaming, like normal people stuff to video games, because that's what everyone was doing. And they renamed themselves Twitch Elgato because of their software became like one of the bigger players in that. And then Twitch obviously blew up and Amazon bought them for a billion dollars or whatever. And it was just this weird thing as an outsider, I would watch like more and more people use this like obscure tiny company that like I used to have conversations with. But yes, I do remember the H.264 encoder because I believe I had one. Yeah, me too. Yeah, back in the two odd days when we were publishing video interviews and everything, I was encoding them with, I don't remember what the name of the product was. Maybe it was something as ridiculous as H.264 encoder, but... Yeah, I can't remember the name of it now, but yeah, but I, I remember using that too because yeah, the Tua and Download Squad days. Yeah, because we needed that because it was like, okay, my computer's not powerful enough to do this. I and need to offload and it. And we're on the floor of Macworld and we need we're to on get the floor this of video Macworld. up. Exactly. It's, we literally have to get this up. We're on the floor. Our computers are not powerful enough that there weren't software or hardware side encoders built into them yet. Yeah, so funny. It's so funny how much that stuff has changed. But it's also funny that even back then, like those devices weren't that expensive. And that was a really clever way of figuring out, okay, we can just offload this sort of thing with it. So Macworld story, I, we were staying, I think at the Mosser and it was like Mike Rose and Mike Schramm and Victor and me, and maybe you were there, but I, so I had my own hotel room and I had spent the evening holed up in my hotel room as I am wont to do. And in the morning we were sitting in the lobby and I, Mike asked for something. I needed to show him something. And I flipped open my computer for the first time since being alone in my hotel room. And it was like full screen porn. And I like real quick, I'm like, command Q, command Q. And I tried to play it off like nothing happened. Mike was kind enough. He didn't say a word. But that was, it was this, it was definitely a weird moment for me. I've never been <laughs> so busted on that before. Oh my God. It happens to everyone at some point. We've all had, I've never had porn play but i've definitely had like photos that i took or other things like that people have accidentally seen and that's definitely one of those yeah we've all had those moments and i've definitely seen people accidentally pull up their porn so the good thing is post um, a screenshot where you can see the tabs in the background of the browser yes yeah oh my god so because of what I used to do, which would be to look for those things, to find those sorts of clips, because <laughs> those things would go viral or whatever. I'm always incredibly careful whatever tabs I have open. Even if it's something innocuous, I'm just like, I don't want people to see that I have this website open. Even if yeah. it's nothing bad, I'm just like, nope, not doing it. Like, because actually that reminds me, that's a good segue. That's how I got into my, that's how I pissed off Kanye West. Okay, explain. 
Okay. So he was, this was before we realized he was like unmedicated bipolar. And when he was doing these tweeting rampages and they were fun at the time, like this is like finger into booty bitch, which is what Amber Rose said to him when he went off on Amber Rose. And then she was like finger into booty bitch talking about him, which look, we all have our things. That's actually a very common one. So not a big deal, but he was tweeting all kinds of crazy stuff. And so I had alerts on Twitter set up for him and he tweeted this thing about how some new version of something was about to come out. And I looked, he tweeted a Safari link and like a screenshot. And I looked in his tabs and it was very clear this, and he had just gone on this big rant about how like piracy was stealing from him and all this stuff. And Mofo was like pirating Ableton. Like he had opened a bunch of like torrent sites and like pirating things. And it was just really funny. And so I caught this and I tweeted about it and it blew up. And so I, sorry, let me find the link. It's not wanting to load. Okay, here we go. Kanye West tweets photo of him showing him using the pirate bay. And so I, we did a closer look and like he had the pirate bay open and he was looking for various plugins for different things because he was showing something off and you could see the pirate bay in the background. You could also see searches for other stuff. And so I tweeted something like, lol, Kanye West has pirate bay links open in Safari in his latest tweet and a Mac keeper pop up. And (laughs) the whole thing was just, I just thought it was funny. So his people reached out. They were like pissy. They were like, and for some reason, I wonder if his people made him take it down because I'm now getting a 404 on this. Anyway, I heard from some of his people and they were like, they wanted to tell me they were like, no, actually Kanye uses a Mac and that was on a Samsung monitor. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) it was connected to an external monitor, but it's clearly a Mac screenshot. Like they were trying to tell me that it wasn't what I knew it was. And they were like trying to tell me like, like his publicist or whoever, she was like being very like clear. She was like, no, this isn't actually what you think it is. He would never do this. Then so, so first, first it was trying to claim it was a different computer. Then the claim was, oh no, this was completely on purpose. And, and it was a joke. So let me find the thing that I wrote because the, the headline was pretty funny. It was like Kanye Weston's this pirating photo was just a joke. And let me see. Okay. Kanye West doesn't pirate you guys. It was all just a joke. On Tuesday night, West tweeted a photo of his computer running Safari with a tab open to a Sufjan Stevens video on YouTube. But eagle-eyed viewers noticed that among the open tabs, you know, was was the pirate website, the, uh, the, the Pirate Bay. But now a source close to Kanye West tells Mashable that the photo that set off the entire controversy was actually a joke. Kanye was just trolling us, obviously. And I put Jennifer Lawrence gif there. He says, the source says that Kanye, that the West thought it would be funny to have Pirate Bay links appear in the photo since he is very aware that the life of Pablo has been illegally downloaded more than half a million times. Because he had just bitched about how much Pablo had been streamed. And it was like, the source goes on to note that the computer in the photo does not belong to West, who uses a MacBook. And then I put, the computer in question is a Mac. You can tell by the UI and window Chrome, plus the fact that it's running Safari, but it's connected to a Samsung monitor. I'm told that although Wes did take the photo and he did purposefully pull up the tabs in the image, he meant the whole thing as a giant troll. And I put, now maybe I don't get the joke, but it isn't clear to me why the Pirate Bay links in question were associated with uh, Record Serum, a $189 piece of software co-founded by the EDM artist Deadmau5. Wouldn't it be funnier if Kanye had been downloading his own album? Which it would have been. Steve Duda, who co-founded Transfer Records, wasn't laughing either. It's obviously not a joke, as I don't deserve to be targeted of a joke. It makes no sense, he told Mashable. <laughs> the browser tabs were properly were probably an oversight, and while I expect it wasn't Kanye's personal action, more his producer slash engineer, you can see Pro Tools in the left side of the browser window. Calling it a joke feels like a poor lie, and if somehow true, in poor taste. 
Yeah. Anyway, his people were very angry with me after this, but I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I feel like if you're Conway, Kanye West people, you're probably always, it's probably in the job description that you have to be pissed off at a lot of people a lot of the time. At one point, they'd offered me to maybe have some sort of interview or whatever. So we followed up and they're like, clearly, you didn't take your article seriously. I was like, I'm sorry, you just lied to me. Like, you literally just lied to me and told me the most convoluted story because I got on the phone with this woman. And I was like, okay, so you're telling me that he intentionally pulled up these things and then took the photo and shared it and that it was supposed to be the subversive joke. Yes. So I said, okay, cool. I'm going to, well, and the thing is the story would have died if they had just been like, it was an errant tweet, whatever. I wouldn't have even written a follow-up when they lied to me. Oh, sure. I then, I was giddy. I like burst into Jim Roberts office and I was like, Jim, Kanye's people just came up with the most convoluted lie. And now our story that because I was the one who noticed it first and I was the one that made it become like a trending topic. I was like, now we get like another six hours out of this. It was great. Yeah. I feel like your meds have kicked in. They have. Do you want to do the next read? Let's totally do the next read. All right. Let me pull this up. All right. This episode is brought to you by text expander. It would be great for someone like Kanye West to instead just have they could expand text for apologies. This would actually be really good for his publicist. Instead of always having to be like, I'm so sorry, whatever, just have a few key commands and issue out the standard apology. But text expander from our friends at Smile takes the repetition out of your work so that you can focus on what matters most. So say goodbye to repetitive text entries, spelling and message errors, and try to remember the right thing to say, like an apology if you're Kanye West people. So when you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing with just a few keystrokes. It's better than copy and paste. It's better than scripts and templates. And Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of those repetitive things that you type all while customizing and personalizing your messages. Now, I use Text Expander. I don't even know how many times a day, but I use it a ton. What about you, Brett? Constantly. And like the other day it crashed and that's probably not the best thing to say in a read, but my computer has been wonky lately anyway. And I missed it almost immediately. I found it gone within five minutes of it not functioning. No, that's the thing. Like if, if I don't have access to my text expander snuff, it's hard and to the point that like, I'm really glad they have a Windows version because not everything that I do, but a lot of the things that I do, I can use cross-platform if I'm doing it that way. There's a web version too, but it's really great. Like I use it, I use the scripting feature all the time, as I'm sure you do, but just tying a couple of characters yeah. to executing a, a, an Apple script. But sometimes I also do it for other things. Like I've done this before, I've talked about this before, but when I'm doing demos, and this is a very common thing where I'm doing demos in a video or if I'm doing a live stream or, or live at a conference back when those were a thing, I would have a lot of the commands that I would need instead of having to use just like Terraform or memorize the different things. Like I would just have that committed to a few text expander keystrokes so that I could do that more quickly without having to like worry about mistyping, which is just fantastic. Text expander can be used on any platform, in any app, anywhere you type. Take back your time and increase your productivity. Now, overtired listeners get a 20% off discount off their first year, which is awesome, by visiting textexpander.com slash podcast. That's textexpander.com slash podcast, and you'll get 20% off your first year. Into the repetition and check out Text Expander today. Great read, Christina. Thank you, Brett. I did want to mention one more app What since we're back to apps now. I love it. So I, it was pointed out to me that 
like I've gone through all of these XLR cough buttons, right? I'm on my like yeah, third setup. Yeah, you keep setup. like buying them, yes. And it was pointed out to me that if you use um, Loopback by Rogamiba, uh, mm-hmm. you can just create a virtual device that just takes the input from your XLR interface and then goes into like the two inputs and don't put a monitor on it. And then that device becomes a USB device that an app like Shush can mute. And it works perfectly, except for Shush, the which was previously my, my top choice for uh, USB microphone muting, also mutes any other virtual devices in loopback. So it would actually mute the other end of person, the call the for other me. person do okay so, so shush isn't gonna work right but you could use but you could create like your own other sort of thing with that and i found this app called microphone with a k and it lets you specifically pick a usb device to mute so i can just i have a device called mutable complete because my audio interface is complete audio so it's mutable complete and i have it there's an extra button on my ultimate hacking keyboard that I don't use. And it's it's like in the case, so it's not a clicky button. It's silent. And I can press that and mute my, my microphone. The thing that microphone the app lacks is a push, a push to mute or a push to talk. It is only toggle. So I have to click it on and then click it off. And I wish... It could work the way Shush did, which would be like, if you press and hold it, it mutes. And if you double click it, it stays mute. That feature was what made Shush awesome. But I do have a software mute now. That's fantastic. I'm very glad to hear that. And um, uh, also just while we're talking about good things, like, so I'm going to try, I'm going to click on that microphone link that you said, because I, when I finally get my setup the way I want, I'll probably replicate something like that. But good shout out to Rogue Amoeba because Loopback is great. Audio Hijack, all their apps are really good. But SoundSource, I live and die by. I'm using three Rogue Amoeba apps as we speak. Amazing. And also a shout out for people who it's not as easy as Call Recorder was. And it, it doesn't, Call Recorder did one thing really well, which was recording conversations on both sides from Skype or whatnot. So it's not quite as easy as that. Although I think you could you can set up templates that make it very similar. But if you're looking for something that can replace call recorder because you're on an M1 Mac and Ecamm is not going to be bringing it, like they've discontinued it basically. You should look into the Rogue Amoeba apps for sure. All right, I'm gonna, I'll link Rogue Amoeba's homepage in the show notes because that'll take you to SoundSource and Audio Hijack and Loopback and all of the great stuff they make. Last thing I'll mention before, since this is really becoming a recommendation episode, OWC just finally shipped their Thunderbolt 4 hubs. With one port on my M1 Mac Mini, I can now turn that into three additional Thunderbolt 4 ports. And one USB 3.2 for whatever that's worth. But it's because you can buy hubs for USB-C. Yes. Or you can buy a Thunderbolt hub, but then it only has USB-C connections on it. And usually not more than two. This gives you three full Thunderbolt 4 connections. Which is amazing. Yeah, because I love who's the one that I have the CalDigit yeah. Thunderbolt 3 dock, which is amazing. And yep. is I would still highly recommend that for anybody. Like, I think that's the ultimate dock, to be honest. But yeah, the Thunderbolt 4 dock, I've been excited about that. When I get my pink iMac, I'm going to be using that for sure. All right. 
That was, I, I appreciate that you woke up during this episode. I appreciate it too, honestly. I'm sorry that it, I'm glad everybody could hear that while I was awake. I apologize that I wasn't more awake. I woke up at 6 a.m. to get ready for our show, but it still sometimes takes a little longer. Nobody listening to the show is recording a podcast before seven in the morning. So if they have a problem with you being tired, I would like to see them try to do it. I'm not recording. It's like, it's 940 for me. I, right. I'm it's fine. like a good time. Yeah. Also, in my defense, like, again, I got out of flight yesterday. So I, I got home, yeah. you yeah. know, no, late. No, no one's upset with you, Christina. We, Fantastic. We, we all Thank sympathize. You. It's I just, it was fun to watch the progression is all. I appreciate that. I'm glad that people got to hear and listen to the progression. Do we have any new updates? Anybody give us any new reviews? You know what? Let's have some of that good radio while I load up podcasts. Did you? While we're while you're loading that up, we do want to give a shout out. So Apple launched their Apple Lossless, Apple Music, the Lossless stuff, and in spatial audio this week, and Fearless is in spatial audio as are uh, Folklore and Evermore. So that's pretty awesome. And and our friend. Uh, Frank Petrie, it was the one who Thank you, uh, Frank. who notified me of this with a, a DM that said nothing other than fearless in spatial audio. And I had to decipher that. I actually had to ask Christina what, what the hell he was talking about. But It's pretty um, great, though, because now we get like fully oral like 3D sound Taylor Swift. Oh, we do have a new one from Flatbread311. The title is Overmired in Great Content. Not bad. You know what I'm talking about, but really great conversational chemistry. I appreciate the breadth of things here that overtired is centralized around tech, but can tangent off into the distance without losing the conceit of the show. Great stuff. Five stars. All right. Another five star review. Thank you. We appreciate that. This is awesome. We have an average of 4.8 out of five. I feel like that's the ideal. If you're five out of five, and then people look and they're like, oh, you only have, you know, 32 reviews. Nobody cares. But 4.8 right. out of 5, people don't even bother checking because that seems like you could have thousands of reviews and right. have a good score. That's the thing. You're like, oh, yeah, because that must mean you must have tons of reviews if your average is, is that. Yeah. Mac Update. I used to advertise with Mac Update and they would tell me that the ideal star review score to have was between 4.6 and 4.8. It was considered the most trustworthy. Interesting. The psychology of app reviews, yes. Interesting. Christina, now that you're fully awake, get some sleep. Thank you, Brett. You get some sleep too. Have a great uh, rest of your day. Hope that your meetings are not too bad. I know you have some of them. I'm going to be gearing up for meeting apocalypse. Yeah, I, I hope the same for you. I hope you survive the, the meeting apocalypse. I will. It, it, like you, I, I'm busy on stuff, which is good. A last minute project was dumped onto me and which unfortunately I can't talk about. But when I am able to talk about it in a few weeks, it's going to be good. Awesome. All right. Get some sleep, Brett. Get some sleep, Christina. The system is going down low.